This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. Value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. It's that time of year when the team at Investec Asset Management publish their annual investment views and that's to share their outlook for the next 12 months. You can access all of these viewpoints by going to www.investecassetmanagement.com forward slash investment views 2019. Meanwhile, with me is Tom Nelson, head of natural resources at Investec Asset Management in London with his views for 2019. Obviously, resources and commodity based this chat and the headline is cash flow strong sentiment week stay selective tom nelson over to you but with uh, the backdrop of you saying macroeconomic and emerging market concerns have dented confidence but commodity markets remain fairly tight so on the one hand negative on the other hand positive yes exactly and there are really two events or elements to the market's uncertainty which are hanging over the sector in the background. On the demand side, and this is particularly prevalent with regard to the mining industry, there is the market fear of a significant slowdown in 2019, and uh, particularly in China, and the effect that that would have on uh, metals and materials. On the energy side, the, the bogeyman and the main fear factor at the moment is OPEC, and particularly the as we go into an OPEC meeting next week, the concern that there may be a change taking place in OPEC strategy and that OPEC may not intervene next week to take barrels off the market and support the oil price. So we have these, as I say, these macro fears, which are very difficult to unpick. um, But the underlying fundamentals of many of our key markets and certainly the cash flow characteristics from our companies are broadly good. Yes, indeed. In fact, one of the things that I picked out from your excellent report that you kindly sent me is low multiples. I mean, low multiples is something that we don't see in other sectors of the equity market, but clearly, particularly in the oil market and also maybe some other commodity sectors as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we are now able to buy most of the European oil majors and a number of the diversified mining companies on less than 12 times 2019 earnings. In in the case of the oils, particularly after the recent sell-off, most of them are on uh, closer to 10 or 11 times next year's earnings. So these are not demanding multiples. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is, aside from those macro fears that I referenced in the introduction, what is is holding the market back? And and I think there are broadly three things. I think the, the, the scars of the bear market are still very real and very raw, and broadly speaking, investors have been reluctant to come back into the space. Uh, I think there is a fear that uh, in this late cycle environment um, that this might not be a fruitful part of the market to hunt in. And I think there is also the factor which, which I think haunts a lot of the market, which is that the, the market leadership and the, you know, the dominance of, of a selected number of tech companies has led to significant inefficiencies uh, creeping in in other parts of the market because they're simply not getting the time and the attention that they should, which, of course, as active managers, is, um, is potentially an opportunity for us. 
Is China also an opportunity? Because we have to bring in China when we talk about commodities and resources. And you say demand from China remains the greatest uncertainty for the mining sector in 2019. I think China in every way is an uncertainty. Coming up in the next few days is a meeting of the mines between the United States and China. And in a way, I suppose that provides a very interesting backdrop to commodity demand for 2019 as well. It does. And, you know, if, um, if, if one of my mining colleagues was alongside me now, he would remind us, as a metals and mining specialist, having followed the bull market from around 2000 up to 2012-13, and then the three or four years of sharp retrenchment, that in fact, you know, every year is a worrying year with regard to China, in the sense that China is simply such a big percentage of global demand for such a broad spectrum of materials and energy commodities. So we must always be sensitive and extremely diligent and accurate in our analysis around China. And it's right to be asking those questions. I think it's fair to say that looking into 2019, our level of concern is perhaps more heightened than it has been in each of the last couple of years. But I would say in the same breath that directionally, even during the downturn, the Chinese economic model has shown itself to be extremely adaptable and Chinese central policy has, has navigated a very, very skillful path, I would argue, through this extraordinary political period. So we're not expecting a collapse in China, but we're absolutely right to ask the question and, and to think about what 2019 could look like in this sector if China does slow down. Yes, indeed. I love those words, adaptable and skillful. And I would also say nimble for such a giant economy and for an economy that continues to be almost in its adolescent stage, although late adolescence, it is incredibly nimble and the other two things that we mentioned. So just to recap on the last couple of minutes, is there a case for a re-rating? I think there is a case for a re-rating. And, you know, re-ratings, as we know, can be catalyzed by a number of different things. In our sectors, what we typically find is that the market needs to get confident that physical commodity prices are at sustainable levels. In other words, that downside to physical commodity prices is limited. And they also need to gain or attain a level of confidence that the delivery of free cash flow and earnings growth from the equities is also, is also attainable and pretty secure particularly given the sell-off that we've had in oil. We've now had a 32% move from $86 Brent down to $60 Brent. And, and given the, I would say, pretty uncertain market confidence in the metals and mining sector going into 2019, I think people's expectations are pretty modest. And when expectations are modest, as we know, it doesn't take very much for you know, a series of, of, of good data points and positive news flow to begin to cause a restoration of confidence and something of a, um, of a markup in valuations. So we mustn't be complacent. There is considerable uncertainty out there. But, but as we go into the year with most of the market underweight these sectors, we, you know, we think that expectations are you know, appropriately cautious. Yes, and you say that cash flow generation from the natural resources sector remains strong, balance sheets have been repaired, and then you go on to something that says all that glistens. Now, a literary purist might say it's all that glisters, but we need not detain ourselves with that sort of thing. But you talk about gold, and you say the sell-off in physical gold and related equities provides 
opportunities. It really does look very cheap to me. But then again, I live in South Africa, so I'm going to be biased. Well, we, no, we would, we, would, we would tend to agree with that view. I mean, forecasting physical gold price in the near term is, is always difficult, as it is across the uh, commodity space. Um, but we have been surprised, given the broad-based financial conditions and the confidence across the market this year, notwithstanding a strong run in gold, more re- in, in the dollar rather, more recently, we have been surprised at the relatively sluggish performance of the gold price this year. We think there are compelling reasons for that, for the physical gold price to move higher into next year. We would also observe, as we've said, in the context of other natural resource companies, that gold mining companies are in considerably better shape than they have been for a number of years. And the same levers have been pulled. In other words, cleaning up of balance sheets, sales of non-core assets, a focus on returns and profitability rather than just volume growth. So they've, they've, they have achieved a level of financial discipline that many thought they never would. And so we think that physical gold and gold equities into 2019 are very interesting. Good. Now, we've been talking about old world commodities, if you like, oil and gold. But now we want to end on energy transition. We conducted a fascinating chat. Well, it was fascinating to me, Tom, a few months ago about energy and transition. And you go on to say right at the end of your presentation, we are in the early stages of the world's third energy transition as we move from hydrocarbon towards renewable energy. Obviously, this presents opportunities and it's very exciting. Please excite me again. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a subject very close to our heart as, as, um, as, as commodity and natural resources investors for a number of decades. You know, the, the growing opportunity in renewable energy has, um, is now reaching a level of, of, of maturity in the market, uh, by which I mean these companies are now, we think, at a very, very interesting point in their life cycle. We also think that the, the adoption of renewables is at a critical level, by which I mean that overall they produce 7% of the world's electricity. And I think there's reason to believe that they can go from 7 to 20 to 40, perhaps to 50% over the next coming decades. So we're expecting a period of, of high growth in terms of, of adoption of renewables. And you know we, we think that this is a effectively an industrial revolution, which is going to have sweeping impacts across the investment landscape. I think perhaps where our interpretation of the transition differs slightly from what most people are are commenting is that we do think, based on careful study of the two principal previous transitions, i.e. the move from wood to coal and the move from coal to oil and gas, is that actually what tends to happen is that the incumbent sources of energy Uh, do not get driven out of the system overnight. In fact, you get a kind of diversification effect. And while we recognize that coal for power generation, particularly in Asia, needs to be slowed down um, for obvious reasons related to global emissions, we also think that there will be interesting opportunities in oil and gas and that low-cost, well-managed, environmentally sensitive oil and gas companies uh, will have a role to play in the transition. So it'll be more of a a growth in cash returns than a growth in volume. But we think there are interesting opportunities on both sides. Tom Nelson, thank you very much for your insight. Tom Nelson is the head of natural resources at Investec Asset Management in London. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.